Howdy. This is the Views from the Shot podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, and today, Saturday, March 11th of the year 2023, I wish you the happiest of National Urban Ballroom Dancing Days. Today, we recap another Ohio State Big Ten Tournament victory, and we will also preview Ohio State's matchup today on Saturday against Purdue. I think if anyone would have said Ohio State would be playing on Saturday in a semifinal game against Purdue in mid-January, mid-February, even late February and into March, no one rational would believe that. But here we are today, yet again, recapping an Ohio State win and getting ready for another Ohio State game in the Big Ten Tournament. We'll recap this game first of all, of course, as we always do. The biggest storyline going into this one about an hour or so before tip-off, maybe an hour and a half, we learned no Bryce Sensenbaugh today for Ohio State. Now, Vegas adjusted very quickly with this. They said Bryce Sensenbaugh is worth about three points to Ohio State when it comes to the final outcome of the game. Ohio State was not favored to win against Michigan State. The Spartans were favored by three, three and a half, depending where you looked. And then we're up to six, six and a half when that news breaks. A lot of people did not give Ohio State a chance. If you are a follower of the Shot Pod on Twitter, that's at the Shot Pod, you saw a video potentially on why I thought Bryce Sensabaugh not being in, obviously not a good thing and a very, very bad thing, but maybe not quite as bad as we all thought. Ohio State basketball Twitter went nuts when this news came out. Everyone saying Ohio State had no shot. Oh, it's been a great season or not so much of a great season, but now it's over, ruined, all that stuff. Well, it wasn't. My argument was simply this. Bryce Sensabaugh, yes, he's averaged 15.3 points per game in his past seven games, which is pretty much when Ohio State has started to put it all together here late in the season. He's averaged 15 points a game, but defensively, it's no secret. He's a little bit, a little bit of a liability, at least in the least sense of the word that you can put out there. You know Sensenbaugh is not the greatest defender. He is not only one of the most gifted scorers on Ohio State or in the Big Ten, but in the entire nation. At this point, Bryce Sensenbaugh can score on every single level. But defensively, you'll see fouls that you don't want to see. You'll see him get out of position. You'll see him reach. You'll see players score over him. And you'll see players go to the free throw line when Sensenbaugh is guarding them. So my argument was Ohio State doesn't have to replace 15 points of production in this one against Michigan State. My argument was they've got to replace maybe 8, 9, 10, 11 points. And Senzabaugh's usual production, maybe he goes out there and scores 18 points today. You replace 12 of that with a couple more made shots from Roddy Gale or Justice Suing or Bruce Thornton 
or even Tanner Holden. And you gain some of those points that you need back simply because Sensema isn't out there playing poorly on the defensive end. Would it end up going that way? Well, Ohio State wins, and that's really all that matters. But that was the one point I wanted to bring up. By the way, if you don't follow us on Twitter already, at the shot pod, please do. And if you're new to the show, please subscribe. 20 years from now, you'll never remember if you subscribed to this show on your podcasting platform of choice. But you know what? I will. It'll mean a lot to me. So please do. And rate the show too, if you like it. That would be great. Let's recap this game, shall we? Ohio State wins 68-58 to in a much less stressful game than Ohio State's win over Iowa on Thursday. In the starting lineup in place of Bryce Sensabaugh, it was Sean McNeil taking over the f- for the Buckeyes, along with McNeil, Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Justice Suing, and Felix Akpara. Your usual suspects. Bruce Thornton. I'm telling you right now, I've been saying it for a while. Kids who are five, six, seven, eight years old watching this Ohio State basketball team, falling in love with Ohio State basketball, they're going to think about Bruce Thornton the way that others have thought about Aaron Kraft or Mike Conley or David Lighty, at least of my generation. Bruce Thornton will be a player where thousands of Young children fall in love with Ohio State basketball because Thornton, I believe, will have a great three, four-year career at Ohio State, and he is growing, blossoming in front of our eyes. 21 points for him, six assists, four rebounds in this one. Roddy Gale, 15 points. Justice Suing, 14 points for the Buckeyes. Heading into this game, five teams in Big Ten tournament history who played beginning on Wednesday, had made it to the quarterfinals. Of those five teams, zero of those five had won in the quarterfinals and advanced to the semifinals until Team 124 of the Ohio State University Buckeyes. This was a really tight game to start it off. Joey Hauser hits a transition three for Michigan State to give the Spartans a very, very early, small lift. Justice Suing was the one who warmed up for Ohio State in this one and answers back with a three of his own. Suing hits another triple, giving Ohio State a lead of 10-9 to with 14 minutes left. And Suing scored eight of the Buckeyes' first 10 points. He goes three of five from the field, two of two from deep. And we're not seeing a lot of momentum swings early on, but you look up, at the score, 14 minutes left in the game in the first half, and you're saying, man, Ohio State not playing too bad. They came to play today here against Michigan State, and the Buckeyes played really, really solid defense to start as well. They forced a lot of tough shots. Other than Joey Hauser's wide-open three, Michigan State could not really get a clean look. Michigan State would start 4 of 12 from the field in the first eight minutes of the game. And your question, of course, as this game begins, is who's going to make up for Bryce Sensabaugh? Now, fan favorite Tanner Holden, he was subbed in for the first time since February 16th, which was a loss to Iowa. Holden finally getting some playing time. We'll talk about him in a second here. Sean McNeil, he enters the game. Well, he started the game, but 
shows up on the box score. He ripped the nets. I mean, just that beautiful sound. He had a high, high arcing shot that probably graced some skyscrapers there in Chicago. Of course, the city that never sleeps. That shot allowed Ohio State to go up 15-11. to 11, And that was also during a two-minute scoring drought for Michigan State. Mati Sissoko, he would score and then be fouled on the shot. But you feel the Buckeyes starting to build some momentum after that foul. There's a media timeout. Sissoko, he misses his free throw, and Ohio State has a chance to build some more momentum. Now, Akpara would hit his first shot, 9 minutes and 13 seconds left. The Buckeyes are up 17-13, to 13, and at that same time, Michigan State had made one field goal in their previous 11 attempts. So you kind of understand how this game started and how this game felt early on. It was Ohio State kind of being able to make some shots, get the looks that they wanted, while on the other end, Michigan State could not get anything to drop. And the Buckeyes, again, they have played so, so well defensively in the past couple days. They kept that up against Michigan State. Tanner Holden, I said we'd come back to him. He'd hit a three with eight minutes and 42 seconds left to go putting Ohio State up 20-15. to 15. Now, after hitting that three, Tanner Holden hits a corner three. He turns around, looks at the Michigan State bench, points at them as well, yells something, not sure what he said, but he gets teed up. Not only is it a technical foul, but it's his second foul of the game. Now, many fans were upset with Tanner Holden. My argument, what do you expect? Tanner Holden, it was his first three since January 15th. Do you remember where you were on January 15th, 2023? I don't remember where I was. I can tell you that much. You may remember if it was a birthday or a retirement party or some other monumental event in your life. Well, on January 15th, it was a monumental event for Tanner Holden. It was the last time he made a triple. So nearly two full calendar months later, he hits another three in game action. What do you expect the young man to do? He's excited. Obviously, it's no excuse. Kind of poking fun at the situation. Ohio State wins anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But at the time, man, that was tough. And Ohio State players, too, kind of laughing it off, joking about it. I was very confused by that reaction. I mean, there's no margin for error against a Tom Izzo-led team in March. No margin for error. So, didn't really appreciate the technical foul in general. It felt a little bit soft, especially when, if you're on the bench, you can say whatever you want. You can yell and, and scream and hoot and holler all you want. But if you're on the floor and you do something, well, I guess all the attention is on you, so you get the technical foul. Whatever. Was not good for Ohio State, but wouldn't end up mattering, obviously, in this one, after that, a couple minutes go by. Justice Suing finds Felix Akpara with one of the most fundamentally sound low post bounce passes you'll ever see. Suing finds Akpara. Akpara catches the pass, jams down a two-handed slam, and the Buckeyes go up 24-17 to with seven minutes left. At that point, Michigan State was shooting 6 of 21 from the field, and... The Spartans continually just not taking the chances. Any chance that they did have to 
to try to get into the game and, and chip away at a lead early on, they just were not able to, to take advantage. And, and as you enter kind of the latter stages of that first half, you're wondering, can Ohio State, playing on their third consecutive day, continue not only the energy defensively that they put forth, but also just the sheer success that they had? And it seemed like they at least had the legs to do it at that point, and that wasn't going to be too much of an issue, but it's something that you're at least thinking about at that point. Can Ohio State sustain this? So from there, Sean McNeil, beautiful pull-up jumper from the left elbow. He lulls his defender to sleep, tucks him in for bed, and then okey-dokes him, puts up a shot, goes in, and the Buckeyes go up 28-19. to Michigan State calls a timeout with four minutes left in the first half. At this point now, Michigan State was in a span of one made field goal, in over five minutes of play, they had one made field goal and two free throws that went in. And at that time, over the entire game, they were one of eight from deep, seven of 25 from the field. You look into those final four minutes now. Tom Izzo calls a timeout. Every coach knows that basketball is a game of runs, and every good coach knows that most games are won by closing out a half strong or opening a half strong. Wouldn't necessarily be the case in this one, but you have to assume that's why Tom Izzo took the timeout. So about four minutes left to go. You wonder, how will Ohio State close the half? That's been a, a weakness of this Ohio State team, not just this year, but in years past. And Ohio State holding a nine-point advantage, how would they handle it? Well, Michigan State would make two free throws. Bruce Thornton finds Felix Akpara, off an oop, Akpara uses a back screen, and he flies to the rim for a dunk. And then Michigan State at that point, just they're scoring, but they're what I would describe as dirty points. Stay with me. It's not what you think. Dirty points I would define as scoring off of offensive rebounds, scoring off of free throws from getting fouled. Points like that where it's not really all that sustainable, right? We saw this against Penn State. When Ohio State played Penn State, Penn State got some buckets, especially to open up that game where they were able to get to a lead. And I thought they were scoring just some dirty points in ways that it wasn't sustainable. The Buckeyes were able to close the gap a little bit, obviously unable to win that game. But you see these spells of, again, dirty points. It's not really good, fluid basketball being played, just kind of some random shots going up and in. That's where you kind of have hope for Ohio State. Now, the Buckeyes at this point, too, they were deliberately slowing it down. They wanted to limit Michigan State's offensive possessions, especially off of fast breaks, too. If they didn't have numbers, they were settling down. They were pulling the ball back out and running a set. Again, it, it limits Michigan State's possessions. It also allows them to get up, set up offensively without getting shots up too late in the shot clock, which is what we saw against Iowa. Ohio State didn't really run into that issue against Michigan State. Buckeyes hold a nine-point lead. Michigan State gets the ball with a chance to get a bucket at the buzzer to close the first half. Joey Hauser shoots a three, and he misses. And the Buckeyes, that nine-point lead that they had with four minutes left in the first half, they retain exact same margin as at the four-minute timeout. So at halftime, Justice Suing began the half with scoring. Bruce Thornton, the one who closed the half 
with strong scoring. You're also wondering, hey, Roddy Gale, where the heck are you? Trying to find who's going to step up, who's going to be that guy who steps up a little bit and helps replace the void of Bryce Sensenbaugh. Is Roddy Gale going to be the guy? It's hard to say. And again, it's a 33-24 to lead for Ohio State at the half. My typically, for some reason, the best traffic tweets from the Shot Pods Twitter account are my halftime diary. People like it for some reason. Literally, they like it. They like the tweets a lot. Some will retweet. Make sure you check those out at halftime in the Purdue game. I'll be sure to do it. You should be sure to check them out. People seem to like the thoughts, and that's all I have to say about that. So we open up the second half. And remember what I said about how you win games in basketball? It's a game of runs, and typically you need to close a half strong or open a half strong. Well, Michigan State opened the second half very, very strong, playing their best spurt of basketball across the entire game, first half or second half. They score the first five points of the game, and they do that before the 18-minute mark even hits in the second. The Buckeyes need to respond, absolutely need to respond at that point. Michigan State fans starting to get in it there in Chicago. Bruce Thornton responds. He hits a layup, he's fouled, he hits his free throw, and it's back up to 36-29 to Ohio State. Now, Michigan State, you definitely could sense the urgency that they're playing with, and you could sense as well that Michigan State fans felt it as well. So Bruce Thornton, he gets a shot blocked. Michigan State sprints down to the other end. They get a layup, and they open up the second half on a 10-3 run. Ohio State calls a timeout. Their lead dwindles all the way down to two with just 16-25 left in the second half. They're not even four minutes into the second half, and that nine-point lead shrinks to two. And then my unanswered question at that point Can you continue your your high level of play, playing this many games, especially defensively? It looked like Ohio State was about to crumble. Out of of that timeout, Ohio State unable to get a bucket, and that's what you hate to see. When you call a timeout, when you burn a timeout, you want to make productive use of that time and get a bucket. The first look Ohio State wanted, they didn't get, I believe it was Bruce Thornton who would take a shot after that. They miss it, Michigan State gets the ball. But... A little bit more back and forth, team scoring and not scoring and, and, and all that. But Bruce Thornton, kind of the guy, again, for Ohio State. He hits a much-needed triple, puts Ohio State up 39-34 to with 15-30 left. Thornton then assists a suing three, and the Buckeyes officially respond to make it 42-34. to That response at Michigan State came out with, To start the second half, Ohio State had a chance to prove that they were going to be a legit contender to close out this game. And that's exactly what they did. You get an offensive foul from Michigan State. Leads to immediate timeout. Sean McNeil gets wide open for a three. He leaves it short. So Buckeye fans, they just sit down and settle back in again. And then, game kind of goes on for a few minutes. All of a sudden, you look up. And you see Ohio State is on a 10-2 run. It was a quiet 10-2 run. It didn't feel like all that dominating of the run, but the Buckeyes there with a 46-36 lead with 11.5 minutes left to go. Buckeyes sprinting defensively and transition, which is what you've got to do against Michigan State. Justice Suing at that point had fallen 4 of 12 from the field, but Bruce Thornton continued to score. And Roddy Gale, the question I asked at halftime, 
Where is Roddy Gale, especially after his, after his strong, strong performance in the second half against Iowa? He would score five straight points, makes it 51-39 to with eight minutes left, leads to a Michigan State timeout. It was a 15-5 to run at that point, and now you're starting to see Ohio State play with some momentum. The only issue at that point, the only concern for the Buckeyes is that you've got players playing with four fouls, you're dealing with foul trouble, and Chris Holtman at that point was making it very apparent. For whatever reason, Tanner Holden, no trust in him. First half, he comes in, he hits a three, he gets teed up. He only played five minutes in this game. He was subbed in once, that was it, other than at the end of the game when it didn't matter at that point. But no trust in Tanner Holden. Apparently, Roddy Gale making up for it. Playing with four fouls, playing with three fouls for a lot of the second half, he'd score 12 points of his 15 in the second half. Then you see Ohio State making a real effort to slow it down. Foul trouble, of course, again, becoming an issue. You've got Gale with four. Suing gets his fourth. Akpara has two. Holden has two. Who really cares that Holden has two at that point? It was pretty certain he wasn't going to be getting any kind of substantial minutes to close out this game. And... Again, there was a chance for for Holden to come in, but Gale, when he gets his fourth, Chris Holtman replaces Roddy Gale with four fouls with Justice Suing, who also has four fouls with just under seven minutes left to go. Michigan State would go on a run to try to close out this game. They go on a 9-2 run. They make it 56-50 to with four and a half minutes left to go. The foul trouble really got Michigan State back in it. It was those dirty points again coming up. They get in the bonus with just under seven minutes left. And then those free throws allow them to slowly but surely get back into the game. Michigan State has a chance to get back in it. They get a wide open three. They miss. Roddy makes him pay. Roddy hits a three. Buckeyes go up by 11 with three and a half minutes left. And now, as Buckeye fans, we're on the edge of our seat wondering, can we close this game out? It's looking really good. Felix Akpara with a clutch block over A.J. Hogard. It leads to a Thornton layup. It's a potential four-point swing. The Buckeyes go up 67-54 to with just over a minute left. And then Michigan State with about a minute left and then less than a minute left. They get a bunch of chances from deep. They miss all of them, and all those misses end up being the dagger. Ohio State wins, and you as a Buckeye fan are just on cloud nine, wondering how in the world has this Ohio State basketball team gotten here? And further, as you look ahead, not to Purdue, not to a potential NIT appearance at this point but you're looking ahead to next season seeing all these freshmen coming back Bryce Sensabaugh questionable the rest coming back you've got some great freshmen coming in as well you get really excited about this Ohio State team so the Buckeyes are able to win some post post game comments Bryce Sensabaugh obviously not playing Chris Holtman said he does some further testing unsure for the Purdue game he was going to get tested on Saturday evening sorry Friday evening and to this point, it is very, very late, past midnight. We're now into Saturday morning as I record this, and I've not seen anything new on Bryce Sensible. I doubt he plays tomorrow for what it's worth, or today, I should say. Roddy Gale, he said in his interview on, on stage on the Big Ten Network, he said his confidence is at an all-time high. He wants to make a difference on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. Roddy Gale can jump out of the gym. Very athletic. Will test very, very well. Should he go to the NBA at some point? We'll love to see him block some more shots. Maybe we'll see that tomorrow. Tom Izzo, 
Very, very, very interesting comment after the game. He said with Bryce Sensenball out, he thought Ohio State played better, especially defensively. Kind of like what I said before the game started. I'll rest my case for now. Chris Holtman, quote, confidence trumps fatigued legs, end quote. What a deep quote from head coach Chris Holman. So the Buckeyes pick up the win. Speaking of the NIT, by the way, Gene Smith made it known he wants Ohio State to be in the NIT should they not be able to close this magical Cinderella run and win the Big Ten tournament. Just for the record, there is a rule. I tweeted about this uh, early this week, I believe. Not that the time really matters at all, but there was a rule that stated in order to make it to the NIT, you have to have a record of 500 or better. Well, that's not the case as of a few years ago. I don't remember the year, but pretty recently. Since then, zero teams who have been below 500 have made the NIT tournament. So it's going to be tough either way. But with the way Ohio State is playing right now, with all the signature wins that they're adding over tournament teams, with how much computers love them, Ken Palm and any other computer ranking metric out there loves Ohio State, there's a shot. There's at least a shot at this point, especially if Ohio State can upset Purdue and they go play in the Big Ten Tournament Championship against either Indiana or Penn State. If they lose that game, they finish second in the tournament, it's hard to keep them out of the NIT, I think, because they're just so hot and they've really built up their resume. So those are post-game comments. Some thoughts on the NIT as well. Let's preview Purdue to close out this show. Ohio State will meet Purdue for the third time this season. Purdue sits at 24-4, and 13-4 in the Big Ten. Remember, they started 13-0. They had wins over Duke and Gonzaga. Duke just knocked off first-seeded Miami in the ACC tournament on Friday that win is looking better and better. Of course, beating Gonzaga is huge. And then they got off to a 22-1 start after that. Now, the two meetings, Ohio State and Purdue, this season, Purdue won 71-69. We remember that game. And I think many, many Buckeye fans look back at that game and wonder what could have been. What could have been had Ohio State won that game? How would that have changed the trajectory of the season in which Buckeyes have some miscues and... I would say they lost that game more so than Purdue won it. Then on February 19th, Purdue just crushed Ohio State on a Sunday afternoon, 82-55. to We move on from there. Since then, Purdue lost to Indiana. They then beat Wisconsin and Illinois. And then, of course, they beat Rutgers in the quarterfinal round of the Big Ten Tournament. They're fifth in the net right now. 9-4 and four record in quad one games this season. Very, very good offensively. Very, very good defensively. 8th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 5th in the Big Ten in scoring at 73.1 points per game. Not great, but not bad either, of course. 4th in field goal percentage, they are ninth in 3-point percentage this year and 8th in 3-pointers three three made. So offensively, they really don't jump off the stat book with you other than in one major way, which we'll talk about in a second. Defensively, again, 27th in Ken Palm and adjusted defensive efficiency. They're third in scoring in the Big Ten, fourth in field goal percentage against, and second in three-point percentage as well. Defensively, where they jump off 
the the stat book for you for Purdue. They're the best rebounding team in the nation, a plus 11 margin defensively, offensively, very, very good rebounding team. And of course, led by Zach Eady. He's the man. 21.7 points per game, 12.8 rebounds per game, averaging a double-double, putting up a double-double in more games than not this season. His scoring average, his rebounding average, and his field goal percentage at 60.9% this season, all first in the Big Ten. Purdue, we know who they are. They're led by Zach Eady. They are they they run through Zach Eady, of course, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, even Ethan Morton starting for Purdue. Those are guys who who play out there for Purdue. They move the ball around, they'll shoot some threes. But Purdue is Zach Eady, and Zach Eady is Purdue. That's as simple as it gets. So what are the keys to the game for Ohio State? How can they beat Purdue? Number one key to the game is stay out of foul trouble. We see it against Zach Eady. He shoots more free throws than anyone. He gets fouled constantly. Why? Well, he's seven foot four and 300 pounds. Or I think he's 305, 310, something like that, actually. He is a large, large man, a mammoth of a center down low in the paint for the Boilermakers. So what happens when you try to defend a guy that big? You get into foul trouble. You get handsy. Now, number one, Ohio State is already thin. Without Bryce Sensenbaugh, without Zed Key, this is a thin team. They're very, very thin down low. We saw it in the Rutgers-Purdue game as well. Rutgers got into foul trouble. They got handsy. Teams get into foul trouble when they play Purdue because of Zach Eady, simply because of him. So without Bryce Sensenbaugh, without Zed Key, Felix Akpara, we saw him get into foul trouble early in the second matchup with Purdue as he tried to adjust and become accustomed to guarding Zach Eady. We're going to need to see Ohio State, a thin team, and a team that is fatigued as it gets right now, playing their fourth game in four days. They will need to stay out of foul trouble, play smart, play together defensively, continue to play really, really well. It's going to come down to shutting down Zach Eady, and if you can do that, go ahead. Let Fletcher Lawyer take some threes. Let Braden Smith get some shots up. That's fine. If you can contain Zach Eady, you're going to be in good shape, but you can't do that unless you stay out of foul trouble. That's the number one key. Number two, play slow when it's possible. They did this A+. plus, Excellent job. They did this against Michigan State. Here's some numbers for you. Against Michigan State, Sean McNeil played 39 minutes. Justice Suing played 36 minutes. Felix Akpara and Bruce Thornton both played 35 minutes. Against Iowa, Justice Suing and Bruce Thornton played 34 minutes. Sean McNeil, 31 minutes. Against Wisconsin, Bruce Thornton, 38 minutes. Justice Suing, 32 minutes. Felix Akpara, 31 minutes. So, in the Big Ten tournament so far, Bruce Thornton and Justice Suing have both played three games of 30 minutes or more. Sean McNeil, Felix Akpara had played two games of 30 minutes or more. This is a team, Chris Holtman can say what he wants. Confidence trumps, fatigue legs, that's fine. This team is going to be tired against Purdue. There is just no getting around it. They've got a lot of freshmen out there playing who have got a, a lot less tread on the tires 
as they say. But this Buckeye team is going to have to slow down whenever possible, conserve energy. You're going to want to see Eugene Brown step up tomorrow, today again, I should say, and produce. You're going to want to see Tanner Holden hopefully get some meaningful minutes as well and produce. But this is a team that's going to have to slow down whenever possible, conserve their energy, and then I think of the Big Ten Championship, if they somehow get there, all bets are off. And you're not really worried about minute expenditure because you're playing Game 7 of the NBA Finals. You win that game and you're in the NCAA Tournament. You lose and you're not. So that'll be a big part of of the game for Ohio State as well. Number one key to the game, stay out of foul trouble. Number two, play slow when possible. I just want to remind everyone as we close off this show here today. When the Big Ten Tournament draw came out and it was final, and as I looked at that bracket, I said, man, I love this for Ohio State. If I can pick any team in the first round to play, it would be Wisconsin. Two teams have a bye in the second round. It's Maryland and it's Iowa. If I could pick either of those teams, I would pick Iowa. And then the quarterfinals. Four teams have a double bye. If I could pick any of those four teams to play, it's Michigan State. There has been a path forward for Ohio State to this point. There's a reason Ohio State beat Wisconsin. There's a reason Ohio State beat Iowa. There's a reason why Ohio State beat Michigan State. And I explained why I like the matchup before every single game. And I won't say I was proven right, because whether they win or lose, I still would have liked the matchup. But I will say, there's some thought behind this, and I haven't necessarily hated it. Now Ohio State matches up with Purdue. In this one, you've got the option to match up with Purdue, Penn State, or Indiana. I would prefer Penn State. I'll just say it. But Purdue... I don't hate the matchup. They've got one very, very good player. They play really, really well around him. They rebound really well. They're a good, solid overall team. But this Buckeye team is hot. It's on fire right now. It's playing very well, firing in all cylinders. And at this point, I said, if Ohio State can make it to this round, whether they're playing Purdue, Rutgers, or Michigan, all bets are off. And you see what happens. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to see what happens when Ohio State takes on Purdue at 1 o'clock Eastern. It has been a pleasure being here covering this Ohio State basketball team since mid-January, late January. I think we came out with our first episode late January, early February. So if you've been here, if this is your first show or you've been here for many shows previously, thank you for being here. I cannot wait to see what happens with this Ohio State-Purdue game. Again, really hard to beat a time thrice in a season. Papaw passed down to Pappy. Passed down to your grandfather. Down to your father and down to you. A tradition, unlike any other, is beating a team in the third game, the third time you play around after losing the first two. Will it happen against Purdue? Hard to say, but that's why we play the game. Ohio State-Purdue, 1 o'clock Eastern on CBS excited for that one. I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks.